1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. I'm joined on today's show by Ian Thomas, who is the co-founder of LendInvest, the alternative lending platform for property developers and investors. Now, starting a lending company in 2008 might not have sounded like the best idea to do and perhaps a little bit risky as well. But as we shall hear, there was also an opportunity to be had at the time to be able to fund some decent deals in the void that was left behind at that time, uh, as many of the banks withdrew their, their funding lines. So you could also say it was quite a shrewd move as well. Ian and LendInvest do in fact straddle the fintech and to some extent the lending and development segments uh, within the PropTech umbrella. So our conversation is wide ranging and straddles those two camps. So have a listen in as we discuss lending platforms and uh, how support of small developers in other ways can take place through lending and development as well.
0: Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter.
1: Hi everybody welcome once more to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. We've uh, in in the middle of our series on proptech and I'm very pleased today to be joined by the co-founder at LendInvest Ian Thomas. Hi Ian, how are you? Yeah, great, thank you. And you? Yeah, very good. Very good, thank you. I'm uh, looking forward to our conversation. I think you know, as we sort of had a bit of a preamble conversation it, it could it could straddle a couple of camps in the proptech space. So um I'm very, very keen to talk to you about perhaps learning and development. Maybe we'll come to that a little bit later. But of course, lend invest. Um, I could also talk to you about fintech or financial technology in the property sector. But um, maybe you know it would be a great idea if you wouldn't mind just telling us a little bit about yourself and, and and lend invest and how it all came about. Would that be okay?
2: Yeah, sure, no problem. I think you're right. We're a bit of a hybrid between the two, so um, probably prop tech and uh, fintech within the business um, and, and probably none of that was intentional it's just it was just trying to sh- drive technology into our business to make ourselves more efficient and we've ended up in in two spaces that that uh, are, are sort of currently in vogue I guess um, so the background to the business was um, I set the business up with uh, my co-founder Christian phase in two 2008 um, so I'm from a property background um, Prior to starting a business, I worked um, at a couple of um, development businesses. So one called Ballymore, which is an Irish development business, where I was on the buy side with them, um, looking to buy propositions around the world actually. Um, and then at Seagrow, where I was working on planning development on commercial schemes. So I'm a surveyor by, by sort of trade and um, had, had good commercial and residential experience. So in 2008, we decided to um, set up a lender. It's probably the, the sort of best and worst times to be trying to set up a lender. <laughs> yes. um, you know, capital, capital had disappeared from the market. So we, we, we knew there was viable deals out there if we could find capital to be able to fund them. Um, so wh- when we started, we were a purely sort of offline proposition, offering bridging finance, so short term finance for people buying at auction and so on. Um, And our initial capital for lending came from high net worth investors. So we were matching them with deals that quickly had its frustrations. And we evolved the business model to opening up a fund. So we had a UK based fund. We now have a Luxembourg and a UK fund. Um, And we along the way, we we sort of cemented our position in the market and started to do some some deals, um, got traction. Then we started to take some small bank funding lines on board. So we we, we were sort of by default growing this really diverse um, capital base within the business. Um, And that was enabling us to sort of um, build the track record, do more transactions. It was probably around sort of 2012 that we started to see the emergence of um, some of the, at at that point in time, sort of peer-to-peer lenders like Zopa and Funding Circle in the consumer and uh, business spaces respectively and we we've been sort of flying all around the world um, raising money into our um, lending funds and we saw these what we we saw as just websites at the time um, seemingly raising money um, relatively easily so we thought if there's a way that we can wrap our current um, product that we offered investors into a platform then it would prove appealing to to um, an investor base so we initially started by setting up the platform very sort of uh, basically it was uh, built offshore by a small team um, and it was just just enough really to get going and, and sort of prove the concept, see if it, it was going to be popular or not. Um, so we, we when we started the platform, we had very high minimum investment amounts for investors. So it was £50,000 per investor per loan, so, so massive levels. So that was partly a function of the technology not being um, sort of slick enough in the background, and it, it, as a consequence, was more manual process. Over time, we, we, we as we saw that we were getting traction in the space and we were starting to to sort of get momentum from those investors coming in, it was proving popular. We decided to put a lot of money into actually building out the functionality of the platform, uh, that enabled us to, to, to drop the minimum investment size right down to a £1,000. And um, we, we sort of built that investor base um, uh, and, and grew the, the amount of capital on the platform. Um, at a sort of a similar time to doing that, we, we, we really saw how backward the mortgage market was in terms of its use of technology. And we could see that um, how successful we'd been developing the online platform, if we could then translate that into um, the, the sort of borrower experience and the efficiencies within the business and use technologies to enhance those, then then um, it could be quite an exciting proposition. So so that, that's when we really started to think about technology in quite a different way um, to how we had before and probably how other lenders think about it. Um, at the same time, we 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 continue to sort of grow the, the lending proposition. So our um platform is, is just one source of funding. So we've got bank funding lines, the platform, our funds, and more recently we started a retail bond program. So again, sort of keep keep it a the theme of very diverse funding um to because to, we, we saw that the what what caused lenders' problems in the downturn was not um so much um the the failings of the asset class. It was more a case of they the bank that they had funding from, certainly in the specialist space, um, pulled their funding line and, and meant the business can continue to function. So by having diverse funding, um we've sort of we're building defenses against um anything like that happening in the future. So our borrow proposition is primarily short-term bridging loans. We've now got a development finance product, and also uh, more recently at the end of last year, we introduced a buy-to-let product. Um, so we're, we're sort of moving out of our niches towards more mainstream products over time, um, and those more mainstream products is is where we can start to apply um, the, the technology we're building in, in in a much more sort of more, more, more scalable way. Um, So, for example, on the buy-to-let product now, we um, have a sort of fully online application. The moment it's just via um, sort of intermediaries, but that's going to hopefully quickly change so we can sort of broaden out um, who can apply for our our loans. Um, And then there's a lot of efficiencies inside the business that we've um, built through technology. So for us, um, a lot of the short-term lending we do is still about a human underwriter looking at every deal. Um, but it's it's also about facilitating them with the information to be able to make a really informed and, and rapid decision about a case. So um, that rather than them having to type into you know, 20 different um, systems, they, they they can get that information delivered to them so that their time is better spent on um, assessing the case and, and the, the, the sort of quality of the underlying proposition. So that's the sort of Whistle stop through the through the business um, we've we've lent about one point three billion since we started the business um, we're about one hundred and thirty people in london um, we We lend only in the u k um, and 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 only against property in in that short term development and buy to let spaces um, We continue to sort of grow our our, our breadth of funding and and um, our platform um, but yeah we've been on a pretty interesting journey to get to where we are.
1: It certainly sounds like it, and I was just really. That was a great introduction, by the way. You covered off so much. You told the story, uh, which is which is what I wanted. This is why I didn't jump in. Um, but there's so much you could talk about there. Um, obviously, I think from my, our audience is primarily your customer base, rather than well, it could be both. It could also be your investor base because you take in funds, don't you? From uh, you know on a peer to peer type of basis and lend them out to uh, investors and developers.
2: Yeah so 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 that the, the, our um platform that enables investors to come on on board is it's sophisticated and the high net worth investors only. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's not a peer to peer style um platform it, it's it's effectively um uh, sort of run run under a sort of investment fund basis um but but um yeah you know, we, we do have borrowers that will undertake a project and then maybe they, they um complete that project they sell out and, and when they're between projects they, they do sometimes deploy cash into other propositions because i think with property people they, they sort of understand um different property um uh, projects and, and therefore they 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 they're more comfortable investing within an arena they understand um, so when someone goes onto our platform to look at what's available, they can select individual loans. So it'll have the loan to value, it'll have the, the location, not the absolute specifics of where it's, it is within that street, but it will give the general postcode um, and then they can see the strategy of the borrower, whether it's, um, enhancement through additional planning or extension or what, whatever they intend to do with the property. And they can see, um, the, the sort of exit strategy, what that borrower intend, how they intend to repay our loan. Cause that's the key, key thing for us. Cause they are short term loans. They're sort of from one, typically one month to 18 months, mm-hmm. very flexible. Um, and, and the, and the borrowers, um, have, have different reasons for needing, needing those loans. Um, but but the the key thing that we offer them is is speed. So we're able to complete loans in sort of less than, than fourteen days if required. Um but but most kind of the time the borrowers just need to know they're gonna have funding when they need to complete on their transaction. Um that that's the key is having certainty about being able to perform so you don't lose a deposit and so on.
1: Yeah, I was gonna ask you from um then the customer side, so an investor or a developer. So we take um as you, that product you just talked about, a bridging product, um, the the main difference, I guess, you're you highlighted anyway, is speeding certainty um, of getting a, a decision. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah so so we, we will um, assess the deal. We'll we'll um, we'll give the offer to the to the customer, and and then it'll obviously go through the due diligence, legal work, evaluation, and so on. But but as soon as we've offered on a, a case, then we've effectively ring fenced capital to be able to complete that deal if the deal then completes um, subsequent, then, then further down the line we might choose to list that loan on the platform for investors to invest in. So, there's, there's never any concern from a borrower that a loan won't be funded on the platform because it, it's, it's of no consequence to them because it happens subsequent um, to, to cash arriving in their account.
1: Okay. And you mentioned the platform. Um, how much of what you do is done via an online platform? And how much of it is paper or alternative methods of communication?
2: So there's a number of different systems we use within the business. Um, so the, the, the online platform that enables investors to access our loans is, is, is fully um, online. So you could go on as an investor, you can you can qualify and, and, and you can deposit cash without needing to, to speak to someone in the team. And then you get automated interest payments and so on. Um the, the, the systems that then um, our underwriters use are different again. Um, but um, again, it's, 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 it's highly automated in terms of what, what they, they're using. Um, so we, we sort of pieced together a number of sort of best-in-class um, systems as well as our own bespoke um, um, in-house built, built systems.
1: Okay. And, and, and you mentioned with the Buy to Let product that um, I think you're just rolling out or just have rolled out. Is, um, did you say that could be fully online?
2: Yeah, it's, it's, so um, the, the application process for that is, is fully online. Um, it's, it's the early days of that because we launched it at the end of last year. So we're just getting up to speed with that product. Um, and the the initial um, sort of avenue for that is has been to to hit the broker market, mm-hmm. so so brokers mm-hmm. brokers are able to onboard on the system and then um, put put their cases through um, the, the the online portal and this this you know, and everything through the through the process um in, in due course we, we intend to evolve that system to be offering more functionality and allow customers to per, potentially come directly through through that route as well um but but yeah that that will come as as um, the product evolves um over the sort of next six nine twelve months
1: okay and uh, I noticed when I was reading up that um, you you offer various tools to the broker you know to the intermediary marketplace to assist them um so where I'm getting at there is that you're you're building up the, the whole business around you know te- technological delivery, automated online delivery. From what I can see, is that is that a specific goal yeah. Or intention? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So so for, for us, it's it's about um, being able to provide our sort of introducers and, and customers with the tools to be able to assess whether what they need, you know, what what product they need from us. Um, so we've got a number of different online calculators that allow them to um, look at Effectively, because we've got different tiered rates according to loan to value and and, um, different characteristics of the loan. So they can they can enter in the details around. Um, their specific project and they can get feedback as to what the likely pricing is going to be and the how much leverage they could achieve.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so, so from our perspective that that hopefully enables them to, to be able to discover that without needing to necessarily phone in and speak to someone. Obviously that's available as well, but a lot of the time they just want to get a quick quick um, assessment of what, what's what's available so it's trying to, to sort of give them those tools that they, they don't need to come in and speak to someone and wait to be called back and so on they can they can discover the information before that
1: okay and, and from a sort of an underwriting point of view are you do you operate similarly to a, a bank or a, or a mortgage provider or are there some differences
2: um, I think so, so we, We've, we've, the people that work in our underwriting team have, um, you know, a lot of depth of experience within banks and, and, and uh, those sort of institutions. Um, the, the systems they use, they're they using are um, probably better put together than a lot of the bank systems. Uh, and certainly we're, we're sort of process flows is a key um, thing that we look at. Um, with our current products, they, they aren't just a sort of score-based, system of, of underwriting. So the underwriters do have to do the work to you know assess the proposition properly. Um, and the, the, the nature of short-term bridging development finance is it, there are quirks with every deal. So they do need to get their head around it and, and assess the risk on a case-by-case basis. You know, As we move to more and more vanilla products, it might be that it's appropriate f- for us to become more and more automated in that regard. But for our current product set, it still requires that sort of eyes on the deal um, with an experienced head.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, we've been talking to a few people in the course of this series and, and how maybe technology doesn't always replace, you know, 100% human interaction, but it can supplement and augment, you know, decision-making, um, you know, is perhaps the the obvious next step with technology, um, you know, so you have an experienced underwriter who's, who's maybe presented with some data and then can interrogate that data and make a judgment. Or call for additional information uh, would be an example, perhaps yeah, yeah. in your space.
2: Yeah, yeah, that, that that's certainly that's certainly what we see, and, and the intention um, is to get to the stage where that that those people are much more efficient. So, obviously, they're they're um you know they're, they're well paid people that have got a, a skill. So you want them doing as many cases as possible, um, and you want. The, the more menial tasks that typically they would have to undertake within a lot of organisations to be handled by um, the system. So, so that's what we're trying to do um, with what we're building.
1: Okay, cool. Um, and what about from a regulation point of view? Do you do you sit in the same space as some of the banks and the mortgage lenders, or do you, you know, do you sit somewhere outside of that? FCA, PRA, for example.
2: So we are regulated as a funds management business. Um, and we have a mortgage regulation permission um but but we aren't we aren't regulated in the same way as a bank in terms of needing to have um, sort of certain capital um, requirements and so on um, not to the same extent anyway um, so so a lot of our funding sources um, are sort of directly matched into loans um so there's no sort of um, duration mismatch um, uh, work there. So, uh, for example, on the platform, if an investor invests in a loan, they stay in that loan until that loan repays and and so on. So um, we don't have the the same sort of challenges in in that regard as a bank perhaps would have managing a book of retail deposits that are probably um, effectively on on short, short notice and so on.
1: And um, the the other question, perhaps I I'd want to get into maybe talking to you about some of the learning and development side of it. So, but maybe um, just one other point of interest I had here was: uh, Are you do you have any plans to do uh, anything around the IFISER, uh, you know, the innovative, innovative finance ISA?
2: Um We so so we, we, we haven't at the moment got plans to become um, effectively that that via the the, the the sort of peer to peer offer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we we aren't coming at that route in terms of our um, how we intend to to raise capital. You know, in, in due course, if that's very successful for the other people that have, have gone down that route, then we might choose to look at it. Um, at the moment, the, the the main way that people can access our product, our lending product, via an ISA is through our listed retail bonds. So we did a listed bond back in August, and uh, where we raised fifty million, um, that can be bought through someone's stockbroker. So. For us, it felt like a, a very regulated and very sort of um, straightforward way for people to be able to effectively lend into our loans through um, their ISA or their pension and so on. And, and, and that was the best route for
1: us. Uh, I, I can see why you say that. and Let somebody else get, you know, trailblaze and see how they get on with it. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, absolutely. Really- perhaps there's a bit of a bridge, you um, uh, maybe to talk about some... You know, wider prop tech and maybe learning and development as, su- as a subset of that. Um, you went to your you're participants in the MIPIN prop tech um, conference, or is that a part of an advisory committee, aren't you, in some way?
2: You- yeah, so I've uh, I've got involved with um, MIPIN, who are very keen to sort of push forward. Um, PropTech and the PropTech tech sort of agenda. So I've been involved in helping them along with the, the, the wider committee on this, um, uh, sh- help shape their conferences. So they're doing one in, in Paris and also one in New York, um, which, which will be, be sort of good events. Um, and, and it's just trying to, because, because PropTech is so broad, it covers so many different topics, um, and, and areas. I think it's, it's also moved on quite a lot because, Previously, it was almost like the incumbents were um, seeing prop tech as a threat to their businesses. I think now it's actually thinking, how can we use technology to, to, to better operate our businesses? So that's been a sort of a mentality change within um, the property space where people are now trying to embrace technology. And they can see the value of it for their business as opposed to seeing it as a threat and how it might um, sort of disintermediate them, so that I think that's a really positive sign. And there's a lot of big corporates that are embracing embracing that as well, which um, you sort of see through that that sort of MIPIM uh, network.
1: Cool. And I might come back to that because I believe you also. I don't know if you directly invest or maybe your co-founder as well. But I think I may read some references to maybe looking at some of the startup environment as well. So maybe I'll come back to that. Because, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe you. Sure. See- yeah, we we have looked at. You have. okay. well, let maybe hold that thought, because what I'd really like to talk about, um, you know, certainly in this next segment is um, is the story around your your academy. Would you like to maybe just tell us about about what it is and how it came about?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So we we run a um, property um, development academy, essentially. Um, So what we found when we we started to get into the development space was we had lots of Um, applicants that were coming through that that had really good experience in certain areas of um, property development, um, but they they lacked in others. So they may have been someone who um, understood construction um, and how to build houses, but they they didn't really understand planning or legal or or, or, um, that sort of side of it. So the the intention with the academy was really to provide a sort of a a one-day course for um sort of would be developers as well as uh, like an online resource, so that they could come in they could um uh, we 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 offered effect- effectively a day where there was sessions on the various aspects of um running a development so from finding the site structuring um the 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 legals behind the the purchase the conveyance, and so on um Getting planning permission for what what you intend to build there, um, and, then, and then sort of talking more broadly around option agreements and, and other ways in which people sort of secure their position on the site prior to actually purchasing it, um, through to the actual the construction, um, the finance, which you know we, we're pretty helpful with um, being able to offer, um, and and and, the, and then the sort of sales marketing process, um, and, and then sort of. What to expect, what to what what professionals you're likely to need to get involved, um, and what their what what their jobs are doing and what what value they're adding. Because I think there's there's a lot of um, areas that that aren't that clear. If you're just coming to the space relatively new, that it's quite hard to fill the gaps because there's not that much information out there. Because um, it tends to be um, people who sort of learn via their their direct experience of Running through projects, then, then yeah, having challenges on those projects, I was say, work make, making mistakes,
1: <laughs> probably. Yeah.
2: yeah, absolutely. So, and, and that—that's the one thing we do say on the course. You know, you've got to try and pick up bits from every um different session. But the reality is, every project will have not necessarily problems because because they have one on every project. It's it's sort of. Has every project has a bump in the road that you've got to have to work through? There'll be some planning issue or, or some other issue that you you just have to get through. Um, so it's just just being sort of alive to how you might deal with those different um, challenges that pop up. So so that that was the sort of premise for it. We we saw that we had quite a, a lot of. Um, Developers coming forward that didn 't have the level of experience that we wanted, so we thought, what can we do to try and help those developers to progress their knowledge to be able to take on bigger projects and That really tied into the wider theme about getting sort of Britain building because if you go back um, twenty or thirty years, the number of houses built by those SME developers um, was quite large, but those SMEs have sort of disappeared out of the market and consequently. You know, we continue to have this challenged um housing environment where um there's there's just not enough houses being built. And if more small developers were able to get, get going and get a foothold, then then we would see more of these smaller sites develop that, that aren't really of interest to the, the major house builders and that would really start to move the needle up in terms of number of houses being built year on year. So we, we thought we have the the resource and we've got the, the the sort of network to be able to put that academy together, and and so 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 why not really? Um, and it, it has proved really popular um, by you know the attendees.
1: Yeah, I've I've seen it really caught my eye, and I compliment you on it. And my understanding is you're not it's not for profit. The uh, cannabis side of it is that is that correct?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So everyone that comes and talks, the lawyers, the um, some quantity airs and so on they all give their time um, uh, for free and we put on the a, a venue here um, in, in for the London academies and then we do them regionally as well and we do them with um, sort of advisors we use in the region so everyone's sort of working towards the same um, aim so it's it's a, it's a effectively a free course.
1: Yeah it, it, it's, uh, I compliment you on it and uh, obviously this is a face-to-face course you're in a uh, sort of a training day effectively um, so it, it, in, a, in a way, it's not classic prop tech, um, but it's an enhancement. I can see the bridge because um, if obviously, if you've got the funding side of it, such as lend invest, then you're, you're upskilling developers so that you've got a better prospect for your lending proposition. So it complements that. Uh, obviously, it de-risks uh, things from the developers' point of view to get this kind of training. And you're quite right; there isn't a lot of it around. Uh, certainly not around in you know, a qualitative way and all in one place and et cetera. Uh, but it's not. It's not the the seminar itself. The day is not pure prop tech. But I believe you've got online resources as well, haven't you?
2: Yeah. So there's, there's information that is is put online associated with those courses, and we we do try and so as, as much. Yeah, you know, I think property is a very sort of. It is a, a face-to-face sort of business. So. We the, the the groups that we get, the sort of twenty five people in each session. There's the a network created within that group, um, and then they're all linked in after after the sessions. And you know, it's it's quite a lonely world being a property developer. So the intention is that they can suddenly pick up the phone to someone who they probably know has a better understanding of a certain part of the the sort of construction process process or whatever it is. So um, you know we, we we link people up afterwards and, and, and make sure that you know they they, they continue that, that that sort of network um, as they build their businesses.
1: Yeah and I think this is something we, we touched on before we came on air, wasn't it? About the um, we can use technology um, as a learning aid, but unless we go out and apply it in some way, it, you know, it's not a lot of value. But equally as you also just said, that um, you know there's so many elements to being a property developer, and it's unusual to find all of those elements to a high skill level in one individual. And by the way, it, it's a lonely old trail. One development can last for quite, quite a period of time, uh, and you uh, you can encounter quite a lot of issues, as you rightly suggest. So, I think it's this blend between old world and new world, and practical, hands-on, and theoretical, you know, classroom type of thing that. Um, spins out of this. So it's very much a compliment. I think the learning and development we're talking about here is a compliment to what we do on a day-by-day basis. And I think the other thing I just want to maybe just add is, that, of course, development is, is perhaps seen as a, a progression from you know, another form of investing in property. You might start with a simple buy-to-let. You might venture into some sort of uh, uh, refurbishment or a small, small extension project perhaps. But you, know, you can see there's maybe a pathway to becoming a developer. And either doing conver- larger conversion projects or indeed new build projects um, as you get more experienced. Uh, so you, I think- yeah, I think we, we definitely do see that. Hmm. So, so there's an evolution of
2: someone who starts off with a refurbishment project, probably does two or three of those, and then they move on to building a one house, and then from one house they do sort of three or four, and they, you know they, they they build up over time. And often a lot of the um, people that we in- encounter that they, they'll. They might have had experience within their, their current job, so they may be you know, project manager working for someone else. Um, they've never done it themselves, but they, they, they sort of want to make the leap to start to do projects because they've got the basic skills there. Um, they've probably got it on, on a, for, for, for much larger scale projects, so they just want to try and bring it down, boil it down to, to some smaller projects and just get started.
1: Mm. and I'm just wondering. From uh, I don't know, maybe a bit of an unfair question Ian, but it would 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 it be a feather in the cap of a developer if they'd been on your course and then applied for some sort of de- developer funding? You know, particularly if they were they didn't have a uh, they didn't have a high track record.
2: Yeah, so I think it, it obviously it, it shows that they're 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 sort of serious about it. Um, um, we do still require experience and experience relative to the project they <laughs> intend to undertake. So. You know The guys that have done small refurbishment projects, if they suddenly want to build 10 houses, it's probably not going to be appropriate. But if they want to move up slowly to, to take on a bit more of a challenge, then, then yes, it, it probably helps. Um, it certainly helps to know them and know that they're, you know, the, the, the way they think and, and what they intend to do.
1: Very good, yeah, I thought so. so. So maybe drifting a little bit outside of the whole sort of Lend Invest community and maybe a wider conversation about learning and development, and particularly with the PropTech spin, um, you know, what, what would you say, uh, what are you seeing out there as, uh, as resources or methods of learning uh, generally speaking? You know, what kind of tips might you have for some of our audience to go and find stuff?
2: Um, so I think there's lots of different businesses that are popping up that are useful to, to people that are involved in property. Um, I don't know if you've come across Pi Labs, but they, they have yes. um, like an incubator for yes. different prop tech businesses. And some of those businesses are now starting to mature a bit more so we do actually have a i should have mentioned we have like a sort of bit of a collaboration on our um development academy with um a company called landing landing Insight. um so they come in and they do a, a quick presentation as part of the academy and they, they basically have a, a business that enables people to be able to identify the ownership um of different development sites um quickly and easily and, and also other characteristics about those um, development prospects now a lot of this information is available through land registry in other places um, but you've just got to search so many different systems so that they're, they're an example of um, a sort of information aggregator that's pulling a lot of this information together that, that makes it, you know life easier when you're you're searching for development propositions and I think there's, there's quite a few of those emerging where they're they're really just sort of presenting it information in a much easier and simpler way to, to interpret which just saves time um, and that, that's you know we're seeing that a lot
1: of that. Yep I mean I, when I was thinking about you know because um, I'm going to do a sort of a bit of a follow-up piece on learning and development um, with a bit of a prop tech spin and I started to think about well how do people get knowledge or how could they and I guess you've got a couple of main threads you've got what I call self-directed learning so you <laughs> think of stumble upon <laughs> just go find stuff that's out there and um, I think most people start there and I certainly did and then you've got more structured training so your Academy would be an example of a structured training program so it's a one-day event with a with a definite clear agenda uh, and, and I'm sure a clear objective as well so it would be some of that kind of type of stuff and then I guess the other area or the other main category, what I I call shadowing of some description. So it could be mentoring, masterminding, um, that kind of thing. So maybe if I frame it that way, have you got any thoughts on either the self-directed stuff, the structured stuff or the shadowing stuff?
2: Well, I think it's sort of like you've got got to do a bit of everything really um, uh, to, to, to try and just wherever you can get information that's going to be able to um, sort of help you tackle your next project I think that's that's what you want to try and try and do so um, we, we have had people that have come on to our academy that actually they are in these sort of various shadow shadowing programs and so on um, so I think you know that certainly the profile of the type of people we see on our um, course they they, they they do go to meetups they do go to the shadowing event they, they, they look at resource online. Um, and I think, as we discussed earlier, that the sort of key thing to do then is to to try and get an appropriate project to start with and, and sort of learn on the job with it.
1: Yes, I think so. I think um, it's a bit of a mix and match and maybe even a, another progression, isn't it? That, um, you know, I think certainly people with lesser experience and a, a lesser, lesser background, a great place to start would be, you know, the sort of free uh, or low cost self-directed learning. Read a few books, read some magazines, get onto some of the online Communities and forums and places like the NLA and get a sort of a foothold and a foundation and then maybe start to think about something a bit more structured or a bit more uh, uh, intensive with a shadowing program maybe later. That, that would be kind of my logical thought process anyway. I do hear of people who just dive straight into a, a one-year shadowing type of program, but um, I think personally, I, you know, I think it's better to get a foundation in place um, before diving in, in in, in that level. I don't know what your thoughts
2: are on that. Yeah, I think I think that's right, really. I think, you know, um, some of those shadowing programs can be quite expensive and not, sometimes do wonder what you get back from it. So um, I think by, you know, and, and maybe there's, there's, there's sort of developers or, or there's people in your local area that you can just sort of get to know and, and get an understanding from them um, as to sort of projects they're working on and, you know, get involved in some way in, in, in that, that, that that would help um, you sort of understand the, the next steps.
1: Yeah, I think so. There's a, there's a, couple, there's a couple of key things that come through our conversation. I'll maybe summarize them at the end, but um, certainly one of those is this complement complementarity, if I can say the word, you know, idea of uh, mixing, you know, education with practical, um, you know, activity. And I think, you know, you, you, you should, if I'm picking up, if I'm sensing it correctly from you, it's, it's, it's a balance between the two. You know, we could... Go ahead and undertake a development project and make our mistakes, and that's a form of learning. Or alternatively, we'd go in a classroom, read a book, and and, that, and not do anything, and we'd be know-it-all, but not do do anything. So it's a, a mix-and-match approach. Is that fair? Would you say? Yeah, I think that that
2: would be probably what I would say the the, the best way forward.
1: Okay, and um, I'm gonna um, maybe start to think about how people could connect with you in a moment here. But is there anything that you kind of feel that? you know we we haven't spoken about that we should have (laughs) in this conversation no i don't i don't
2: think so i think it's sort of it's it's covered a um you know a lot of what we i thought we would sort of run through um i think there's a lot more to come within the prop tech space we we do we did an influencers um list this year and last year um for, for prop tech um and it's you know the, the the level of businesses and individuals involved in that is is growing all the time. So I think the space is is um, sort of exploding at the moment in terms of um, you know where where it's going and and the the, the scope of it. So um, it's going to be a pretty interesting few years. Um, see how technology sort of changes the way that the built environment works and the the way that people sort of um, interact with it and so on.
1: Yeah, totally agree. And you mentioned Pi Labs, for example. And um, I think looking at some of the incubators or some of the um, startup um, you know, types of VCs or crowdfunding types of platforms is another good way. I've, I have a little dabble myself with uh, Crowdcube. And it's always interesting to see what's coming downstream. You get a bit of an insight. But, it, but equally, I think um, what you also said earlier is some of the major players are now starting to look at how they can embrace prop tech and not see it as a threat. So um, you know a bit like with the internet we have bricks and clicks now um where it wasn't just you know we have obviously have amazon who came and disrupted retail big time but a lot of the uh, existing retailers adopted online you know uh, delivery platforms to enhance their business and you know kind of blur meant uh, uh, mixed it with their existing uh, bricks and mortar business so do you say do you see something similar happening happening with property as well a little bit of some disruptors, yeah. but equally some people just embracing the technology to enhance their business.
2: Yeah, I think it's 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 sort of all disrupted over time, um, but that's not a negative uh, way to look at it. So I think everyone just is is recognises that technology can make them generally make them more efficient um, in what they do, um, and 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 that sort of means that things should you know be able to be done a, a more cost effective way. So. I think that's across the board in property because there is a lot of inefficiencies. So there's lots of areas where there's either high costs, high fees. um, Things take a long time. And I think um, technology will change that and it will mean things become easier, probably cost a bit less um, and, and can be done a lot
1: swifter. Sounds like a good summary to me. Um, so, Ian, perhaps how, how could people reach out, not necessarily with you personally, but with LendInvest, whether it's from the, the the lending point of view or from the academy point of view? And are there any sort of resources that you can point people towards as well?
2: Sure. The best place to go is probably to our website, um, depending on what you're interested in. So, obviously, uh, LendInvest.com, you can go to um, the invest section or, or the borrow and, and there's lots of resources there to, to look at um, and, and links to um, the developer sort of academy as well. So um, probably the, the website is the best route in to, to have a look at um, what we've got.
1: Yeah, and maybe if I can add one myself, I mean, particularly, I, I joined your development academy uh, online and uh, there's a bunch of uh, useful resources that are linked there. So if, if anyone is interested in development, it um, talks through the various phases of, uh, of a development project with lots of insights from from pretty respectable people, so I can add that little bit of endorsement as well. And I'll put all the links to those um, those resources in in the um, show notes for the for the episode as well. But uh, it's just you know it's incredible what you've done. I think the journey, as you say, you started your business in possibly the best and worst time, uh, either mid or end of uh, global financial crisis. So. All credit to you. And uh, Thanks very much. No, I really appreciate you joining me on the show today and sharing your insights. It's been, it's been very interesting indeed. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for your time. Well, another interesting and insightful conversation with one of the founders, uh, or rather another of the founders of a prop tech business, as I'm sure you'll agree. And here's a quick summary of some of the key takeaways from our discussion which straddled both fintech and learning and development. First of all, the global financial crisis provided some new lending opportunities. So prior to the financial crash, the vast majority of lending for property investors, certainly around that time, came from banks and their subsidiaries. But it almost dried up overnight during 2008. So lend investors were able to step in, Gradually adding loans from high net worth investors, dedicated funds, smaller banking lines, and even a retail bond to access funding from a wider capital base, as Ian mentioned. And this can be a defence in times of tight uh, bank credit, which can also be useful for us investors as a defence as well. 2. Increasing usage of online platforms reduces time and increases certainty. Reducing time and increased certainty are definitely two of the biggest concerns of any property investor and certainly developer as I'm sure you'd agree so any platform that can reduce the friction to achieve this is welcome. Currently an intermediary only platform though so check with your broker to see if if they have a relationship with LendInvest but The idea of maybe having secured funds, uh, even potentially drawn down within 14 days, certainly seems to suggest they could meet the criteria and the the bold claim that they make, uh, the Inuma's making them. Three, skilled humans supported by systems and processes. Yet again, we hear how the skill sets of humans are complemented by the technology. If you remember, he was talking about highly paid, highly skilled underwriters, you know, being fed information from a central system um, and using best in class um, systems and technology. And that's been a running theme throughout our series, this complementarity, if you like. As Ian expressed, ideally, this should also reduce time and hopefully reduce fees and costs as well. We'll have to check into that last point, but uh, that's what it should all be leading towards, definitely, reduce time, definitely, and hopefully reduce cost and fees. The fourth point, learning and development as a support aid for developers. LendInvest have taken their role as seeking to provide sustainable lending to the next level by using technology. For example, they have some online tools and resources available to their broker community or intermediary community. And besides the training room, uh, Academy Day, they also have an online resource library to support aspiring property developers to help plug their gaps. Uh, And all via a a not-for-profit learning and development model, which, as Ian said, was aimed at helping to get Britain's SMEs building again. And if you think about it for a minute, there's quite a lot actually that's involved in being a developer, lots of different disciplines. And so one individual to have all of those disciplines, certainly when they're starting out, is going to be quite a tough, tough ask, really. So all credit to them for providing those extra resources to help you know, upskill us as, as developers. And of course, as a result, de-risk our projects and de-risk the lending as well at the same time. So um, it's good for everybody, in other words. Fifth. Technology is a learning aid, but is of no real use unless it is applied in a practical way. Again, there's this theme of complementarity, old world and new world, classroom and on-site, alone and in a network. All supported by technology, but not necessarily fully replacing the need to actually do something ourselves. Yes, we still need to roll our sleeves up and put our overalls on and get out there and do something. But the technology is all there to support us in that, and increasingly more so as we go forward. Six. A little bit of effort, everything is the way forward. I guess you could apply that to, to many facets of life, couldn't you? But, um, you know, we're talking about here the combination of, uh, of learning and application and technology's role in that. And uh, just a quick sort of a heads up, really, we talked about self-directed learning, structured learning, such as, the, uh, such as in a classroom or of a training provider, and shadowing, all playing their part in our learning and development. Although they're best applied in a logical and progressive way, not necessarily, you know, diving into the the end result. But I know some people like to do that and have done that and have succeeded as well. Succeeded even. And finally, there's greater support to businesses now through the incubators, venture capitalists and crowd funders. All themselves are, in fact, examples of fintech development uh, to some extent. And learning is also about on-the-job experience, but a support system of, uh, sorry, support systems provided by those uh, incubators and VCs and networking opportunities amongst peers certainly help to make the journey a little less painful. It was quite fitting, really, to finish off looking towards some of the investment community with a shout out to Pi Labs mentioned by Ian as we have a chat with uh, Dominic Wilson, one of the uh, Pi Labs founders, in a week or two. So do make sure you're listening for that, for an alternative investor perspective into the prop tech companies out there. So, uh, yeah, it's quite a fascinating one. I hope you, you tune in for that one. But next time, we'll take a closer look at learning and development, and perhaps also pull together some of the threads of fintech based on some of my own research. As we start to think about coming to end, uh, sorry, coming to an end in this series over the next few weeks or so. But in the meantime, you can find the show notes uh, for today's uh, episode over at the website thepropertyvoice.net. Or if you want to talk about anything from today's show, receive an introduction to one of my guests, or just talk about property investing generally, you know, you can always email me podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and I'd be more than happy to hear from you. Once again, though, all I want to say this week is thank you very much for listening. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao.
0: Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.